The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Stomps, stomps, stomps. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side Studies. Well, welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I'm Rick, the Reckoning Carter. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of hard to do it all by yourself, <laughs> not get introduced by somebody else. And to my right, we got Rick, the I like to say the Jelly Welch. Yeah. Good Good, good afternoon, everybody. <laughs> and across from me, we have Sarita, the Edge, Edgerton. I'm living on the edge. Nice. In, in key and everything. And yeah. to my left, I like to sing. The man behind the glass, the dedicated always, Andy Bishop. Cow. Oh, man. Awesome. You like to sing? I do love to sing. Do you know the song Mercy Tree? Because I want to, I want. We should play that and have you sing it. And Tiziana is an amazing vocalist. I've heard her We should sing, sing some songs together. She was singing earlier. Andy'd record it. He would. I have the technology. <laughs> <laughs> and he also, at least for me, could use auto-tune. Fix me. <laughs> oh, I have that too. So yeah, about- what auto-tune is, everybody thinks this is magic. It's not magic. you got to kind of be able to sing to begin with. I yeah, guess. yeah. It's a, it doesn't solve all the problems. So we're back again for another side study. I hope you enjoyed the first two that we did. How old is Adam? And holy moly, Nicodemus. Yeah. <laughs> hope you enjoyed those. Those one. were fun to to record. The next one that we're, we're looking to do here, for, uh, at least for me, is we're looking to to bring in as as much as I know the whole story of Abraham. Mm-hmm. There's some other written material, and that we like to to talk about time to time on this podcast. We talk about pseudopigraphal works. I, I find them fascinating. They're very interesting when they add the add some stuff to the context. And a particular book that I had to um, I've taken some time to read um, is called The Book of Jasher. Mm-hmm. It's actually pronounced because there's no J in in um, the J sound is not in um, the Hebrew language. In the Hebrew language is called Hayasher. Huh. It's actually it's not H- in his in the Spanish language either. Exactly. It's, mm. it's the same as the so, sound. You, right. <laughs> I don't think it's in the German either. Because like when you really? do J, you say Yot. Yo, yo, yo. Ain't your book a Yod? So I think they Yod, Yodasher? That Yod, Yoda? Yodasher. So in that particular book, it's, it's um, I love to, when I started to read it, um, there was a lot, there was some information that was written in that book that that really expounded on the knowledge of of what was in uh, the book of Genesis. A lot of things that weren't included, I can't say why, but there's a lot of material that wasn't. So when I got partway through it, I took some time and went back and started doing parallel reads between Genesis and the book of Jasher to see whether or not um, there was uh, any differences or comparable stuff that may may make me think of, mm, maybe I shouldn't read this. Mm-hmm. But through my studies, there's not. Mm. There really isn't. So as I started to to study the book a little bit more and looking through some things, it's interesting that some of the stuff that I studied in looking through um, Jewish websites and and literature on pseudepical writings, the Jewish websites don't even list the Book of Jasher as a pseudepical writing. That was actually I was going to ask you a question. That question, how I know how very conservative Christians believe about some of the pseudepigraphal right. uh, gospels, if you will. Right. So my question was going to be, how do Orthodox or traditional Jewish scholars, r- religious people, how whatever you want to call them, how, what do they feel, or how do they feel about these extra, wor- extra works that were not in the Tanakh? Well, or a, a considered also an apocryphal writings, or, or basically— it's an undoubtful writing, and when we were um, just a little while ago, and you'll hear this on a different podcast with Tiziana, the interesting thing about a lot of the books of the Bible, we can't exactly depict who wrote them. We account them to somebody that said them, because even some of Paul's writings, they were dictated by somebody else. And they look at the actual, when they really look at the way the, the word was written, 
the the couple books that actually Paul penned himself, the words don't line up the same that they were used by somebody else. Now, the opening of, of, of books will have a Paul opening and the ending will have a Paul ending, but the way the literature was written through the middle, it seems like somebody else wrote it. Now, that's from what I've been told and deduced from the reading, and I'm not a scholar. I could be wrong in those things, but some of the apocryphal things, as far as the Jewish goes, they don't even list Jasher as, as a non-pseudopivical. It's just not there. But if you start looking at what they talk about, like if, say, uh, Abraham and himself, you will see Book of Jasher material added in on it. So when you look at how they wrote about Abraham, you will see stuff that is not Genesis material. And the only place that it's at is in the Book of Jasher. I also have a question for you two people. Um, and not that Andy wouldn't know, but Probably the way, wouldn't. yeah, the way we have the, the Pentateuch or whatever, mm-hmm. the Torah, whatever, are they the same? Or do we read, I know we're reading them in English, but are they the same in the Hebrew? Like in the, do they read the same words that we read or are they, is, is are the way, are, are they different? Very different. Um, because Hebrew is such I mean, a other rich. Other than they're in Hebrew. Well, Hebrew is a rich language. And so. Like most other languages. Especially and if you think about Greek. All right. You already know this because you know a lot about Greek. If I say agape. It's an unconditional kind of love. But so whenever we read the English word love you and you read it within its context, the only way you're going to know what kind of love is either through the context or to actually go back and look at the original Greek word. So you might have eros or whatever. So in Hebrew, not only is it the language that's so much more rich, but they're culture rich too, right? So there's things, they're saying idioms we don't even know that's an idiom. And when we translate it into the English, we have no clue. We're just reading it with our modern minds, right? So it is, a lot of it is different. But one of the cool things, and I don't think is if this is in your notes, much like whenever we studied the New Testament and said that Jude and Peter had quoted from the book of Enoch, which yes. was a pseudopigal for writing, and we were like, why isn't this included in the Bible if they're quoting from it? Well, in the same way, Jasher is quoted. Jasher's quoted in the Old Testament yes, and in the New Testament. They quote from that book, but it's yet, it's still not in the canon. And they don't recognize it at all, these people, the Jews. From what I see in, in Jewish websites, they do not, it's List not it. segregated. Because if you look under the listings of pseudepigraphal or apocryphal writings, Jasher is not listed as a separate work. It looks like maybe a lot of, and this is me really scanning super fast, single source on the internet, trying cool. to figure this out in the moment. It looks like a lot of the uh, apocrypha and pseudepigrapha were things that uh, weren't like when they were compiling and the stuff like back in the day. These were books that weren't maybe available, or at least most of these books weren't available. Most of each book wasn't available. So it was, uh, these would have been very partial or spotty works that would have been found later throughout history. And that would have been a part of the, one of the reasons that they would have been disincluded is because they weren't, they weren't in full or in part, they weren't available, a lot of them originally Mm -hmm. to the people. So, sorry, that is real loose. That is playing it super fast and loose there. So, good, cool. That sounds like it described you, you Tutti. Fast and loose. Fast and loose. Um, I was just—I just did a quick Wikipedia search on the Book of Jasher. Yep. yep. Did um, it's the Book of the Upright or the Book of the Just Man? Yes. It says, "Are you going to get into all this?" A little bit, yes. Okay, I'll let you. Yeah. Well, reason that we're we're doing this introduction and about the book is to give you, um. A book, an edition that I had bought that was written by a gentleman named uh, Ken Johnson had went through and, and added some material in his book to possibly help us, to give us an understanding about the book, some questions about com- possible common questions. And I have it written here, so I'm going to have to read a little bit for you. So um, what it, what is in the book of Jasher? The book of Jasher is, and this is the answer to to that question, The Book of Jasher is on the 13 ancient history books that are recommended reading by the Bible. Out of the 13 only, out of these 13 only, Jasher is still in existence. If we are to believe the test itself, the history book was written over 3,500 years ago. It's approximately the same age as the biblical book of Genesis, 
It covers the same time period as Genesis and Exodus, but has about twice as much information in it than Genesis. It answers a lot of questions raised in Genesis. Mm -hmm. So that's what's in the book in a general synopsis. So did you pick this up on Amazon? Yes, I did. So another curiosity, were the other 13 books that are not in existence, were they destroyed when the temple was destroyed or in AD 70? Or were they destroyed the first time the temple was destroyed? It's referring to the 13 books, um, I think, of the Bible. The 13 books of the Bible, the first of the Old Testament. Because it expands from Genesis all the way to Joshua. And then it kind of, right when it gets to Joshua, just kind of ends off. And then there's nothing else. Of course, that would have only been six books if you go through Joshua, unless it goes into the Judges and goes beyond to like Ruth. Well, it may add some of the the other books that are maybe not, um, that I'm unaware of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you wrote there that they are recommended reading by the Bible. Is that because they were quoted? Now, these, all of these question answers are written by Ken Johnson. Right. So it's not you. You're just, yeah, I'm I'm reading these by Ken Johnson. And it's read it, recommended, and I'll get into why. And it refers to the the Old Testament quote, um, the quotations that are made by the Old Testament that would make it recommended. Got you. Okay, I'm with you now. In the same way that we always say that Scripture must bear out Scripture, when Scripture quotes from a book that you don't have in your Bible, it's kind of odd. That's why I always thought, like, if we did find the Book of Enoch, why can't we read it? It seems they're quoting from it. Do At we least- have it? Is there we a do. book? Oh, we, do. Okay. we have all three volumes of the Book of Enoch now, and it's like, let's. that was found at Qumran, actually, and they've translated it, and it's out there. And yeah, I mean, Jasher seems like it would be the same. It's quoted again in the Old Testament, and the New Testament quotes it. There's actually several books that are quoted by the Bible that most people never know about. Right. Um, there's the Book of the Kings that mm-hmm. was referenced in Kings. Yep. Um, there is war, the War of the Kings mm-hmm. that's referred. Um, so there's... And then Jasher comes up in, in a couple different spots. The New Testament reference isn't to Jasher by name, but it's the scenario that plays itself out that can only lead to being the book of Jasher. Yes. So the next question that was written by Johnson said, how can, how can we be sure that this is the real Jasher, not a forgery from the Middle Ages? Which we've talked several times about this, even our Bible, because everything was an oral tradition, Man didn't start writing initially out of the womb or out of creation. Mm-hmm. They had to be taught. Now, we could, we won't go through necessarily where that came from, them learning how to read and write, but they were taught. And then we didn't have printing presses way back then, so everything had to be copied. Mm-hmm. Everything had to be handwritten and passed along. Anytime you copy something, the chances of something being changed or something being added through an oral tradition – it may not be the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So, in essence, Jasher was the same way, written the same way the Old Testament was. It was copied. It was redone. And they actually have found, and based on the answers, there are at least two forgeries. One is an ethical um, treatise. Treatise? Treatise. Treatise sounds right. From the Middle Ages and does not exist in English currently. So far as I know, referring to Mr. Uh, Johnson, it is somewhat Gnostic in style, beginning as a section on the mystery of creation. I think that G might belong with the J. It's Gnostic. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Gnosticism is was sec- pretty prevalent. A second forgery was published in AD 1829, supposedly translated by Flaccus. Waka Flaca? No. Yeah. Flaccus, uh, Albinus, Albinus. Alquinas, Alquinas. Thank you for you. Sure, we're going Ms. with Teacher that. Here. She did a good job on that. I one. have a weird name. I try to pronounce people's names correctly. <laughs> <laughs> These two are nowhere near the caliber of this book of Jasher, and both are missing the information that Scripture tells us in the real book of Jasher. This is the only Jasher that correspond to what Scripture can, says it contains. Much of the extra information contained in Jasher can also be found in Bibli- uh, Babylonian Talmud, the Mishnah, and the Ginsberg led- legends of the Jews. There are numerous quotes showing Rabbi Elsner used this book of Jasher extensively in the first century AD. 
the Mishnah was completed about AD 200, and the Talmud about AD 800. We can know from for a fact that the Mishnah and the Talmud use this book of Jasher as a source document and not the other way around. Also, since the ancient Sadir Oman, Oman, Olam, Olam was yeah, written, Olam, I think, yeah. written about AD 169 and references Jasher. We know the book of Jasher was used in other historians in the second century AD. Hmm. So it adds some pretty heft to it. Yeah. And and I guess that's that kind of heavily supports it why in my search in, in Jewish um, websites to try to find and see if it was a segregated book, and it's not. Yeah, I mean, basically he's saying that in, in much the same way that we do historical document, the way that things are referenced from one to the next, um, Jasher has some pretty solid, you know, foundation there. You know, there people are quoting it from all over the place, and, you know— it sort of makes it makes it makes you wonder. It makes you like, why didn't this book make it? You know. And also, that uh, what's interesting is I had a and I said this one time before. I had a Sunday school teacher quote some material out of the Book of Jasher about Abraham mm-hmm. in relation to his father, which is not written in Genesis. And and it just so happened that the time is when I was doing my my in depth study on Jasher, and I asked. After class, I didn't do it in class, to be respectful, I asked him, I said, where did that part of your material come from? And he just, his response was he got it from his correspondent, or his um, concordant, or wherever he's, he was picking up his study. Mm-hmm. So after, so I asked him, I said, would, would you like to know where it came from? And he said, sure. So I presented the material of, of Jasher to him. I said, it come out of this book. And I said, you won't believe the extra stuff that it talks about. And sadly enough, after I exposed it where he got the material from, he sent me a correspondence afterwards and said, that's false teaching. Well, he's the one that taught it. <laughs> Isn't that crazy in itself? So he himself admits to teaching false teaching out of his Sunday school leader yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's false. Did he stop that study? Well, that was the end of that session, oh. but from that point on, he was, that's false teaching. I'm not going to do that. We're not going to touch that anymore. Yeah. So, you know, the the growth of knowledge that of stuff that comes in there, which, again, we're, we're hoping to get in here for the whole Abraham story, mm-hmm. which led me to sort of do this side study was a, like a question. Everything starts with a question. Why did Abraham have faith? Mm-hmm. Why was it accredited to him? What happened? What gave him that type of faith? And from the story of Genesis, there's not a lot of backstory. Yeah, he just comes out of, you know, the Chaldeans, right? Comes straight out of the Chaldeans, out of the Babylonian area, uh, around Mesopotamia. He comes out of that area, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's one of the m- biggest pivotal figures. Yeah, of- all of the relig- major religions are Abrahamic religions, right? Yes. He, he's, he's a huge person. So... When you, I mean, huge. Yeah, this dude was massive. He's nine, huge, yeah, huge, huge. So as big as he was, and then again, we, we've talked again about context. When you when you find other material that can highlight some major things about something, again, it, it's like, um, in my case, it, it's it's like finding treasure, mm-hmm. and instead of hoarding the treasure, you want to share it, right? And you want to show it to everybody. And say this is this will help support your study or your understanding of and, and certain figures. I don't think it hurts to say this as much as I am always excited about apocrypha and pseudepigrapha because I don't know it's just that's all super interesting to me. I will be excited anytime this comes up. I don't know how accurate this is, but that could be said about any really fantastically old historical document. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody's making any literal claims about perfection on these. Uh, Pseudepigrapha or Apocrypha. I'm going to, you know what I mean? It's just, they're worth studying. There's stuff to learn there. Uh, But like any multi thousand year old document, maybe the Bible aside, depending on your beliefs, you know, you got to like, you got to read it and and be like, yeah, who was this written to? Why was this written? It's been a long time. Would it have served anybody for this story to be presented in this manner? Because that's how things are written, you know, things like that. Yeah. Think about, think about how, like we said before with the life of Adam and Eve, or with the Book of Enoch, 
the thing that we do know are, are that the authors of the books in the Old Testament or in the New Testament that have been included in the canon knew these works and quoted from them. So that means that they've read them and know them. So now you're going into the mind of the writer of the New Testament book, and you're getting more of a clearer picture of where what was in his mind when he quotes it. Because if you're quoting from a book, and I don't know if this is true of ancient culture, but today, if you write something and you want to cite something— you better do your fact-checking, right? We we were taught in school, bibliography. If you're going to cite something, you have to give credit where credit is due. I don't know that they were doing that in the Old Testament time when they were writing, but it seems like this would be what it looks like. When you quote from an author of another book, you're citing that reference as, hey, you all know this. It this makes is you important. look legitimate. Too. And I it's mean, in our, right, too. exactly. And it's in our culture. So now, at least you know whenever you, you can put yourself in the mind of a reader— of that in that time and read that same book and kind of like, oh, I see where they're coming from because of it says in Jasher or it says in The Life of Adam and Eve. Right. And that those books could have had a, um, a basically an influence in that writer's life to write the way they did. I'm sure they probably did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's a reasonable assumption. So another question, and I'm sure you're asking this right now, and it says, well, well, what does the Bible say about the book of Jasher? I mean, I was asked earlier, Scripture records the event where God caused the sun to stand still until Joshua and his men finished defeating the Amorites. This was such an incredible event, the author of the book of Joshua explains it must be true because it's also recorded in the book of Jasher. This tells us two things. First, the original book of Jasher is older than the book of Joshua. Second, the scripture recommends we read this particular book. And this is quoting out of Joshua 10, 12 through 14. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, son, stand thy still and upon Gideon and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of the heaven, and hast not gone down about a whole day. And there is no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Again, that was Joshua 10, 12 through 14. The, rep, the reference to Jasher in 2 Samuel occurs when David lamented the death of Saul. The Bible says, quoting from Samuel 1st, 1 Samuel 17 and 18, And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. Also he bade them teach the children of Judah use the, the use of the bow, and behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. This passage refers to the time when Jacob lay dying and called his sons together to prophesy over them. This event is recorded in Genesis 49, but this specific command of Jacob to Judah is not recorded in the scripture, but in the book in the ancient book of Jasher, as we're told in this passage. Only teach thy son the use of the bow and all the weapons of war, in order that they may fight the battles of their brothers, whom rule over his enemies. That is in Jasher 56, verse 9. Paul names two magicians. Now this is we're going, we're going ahead into the New Testament here. Paul names two magicians who withstood Moses, that's Janes and Jam- Jambres. I hope I'm getting the pronunciation yeah, right. Janus and Jambres, I think, yeah. This event is recorded in Exodus 7, 8, and 13, but the names of the magicians are never given in the Old Testament. Paul knew their names and other details about them from other Hebrew sources. One of these was the ancient book of Jasher. Now, from quoting from the New Testament, now, James and Jambres withstood Moses, so to do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest until all men as theirs also was. That was from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Now, quoting from Jasher, And when they had gone, Pharaoh sent for Balaam, the magician, and to James and Jambres, 
his sons, and to all the magicians and conjurers and counselors, which belonged to the king, and they all came and sat before the king. And Aaron hastened and threw the rod out of his hand before the Pharaoh and before his servants, and the rod turned into a serpent. Jasher 79, verses 27 and 36. As you can see, there is some added context that Paul, that Paul actually knew from, from his Hebrew studies that the New Testament doesn't record Mm-hmm. Doesn't record, or it records in the New Testament. But where did he get it? Right. Because if we go back into the Old Testament, their names were not included. They were spoken of, but they weren't really spoken of as magicians. Mm-hmm. They weren't spoken by name. So we, the only recorded writing that we have is is the Book of Jasher that recorded their names. Mm-hmm. So reading on, it says in the ancient Seder Alman another Hebrew history book not mentioned by Scripture that dates from about A.D. 169. It records that Rabbi Elsner... I think that's Eliezer. All right, Rabbi Eliezer. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rick. Uh Was the most accurate when figuring dates and festivals because he used the ancient book of Jasher as the best source for his history. This This tells us Jasher was in use and very well known in the first century A.D., See chapter four of ancient Sedar Olman for detail. Olam. Olam. I think it's ancient Seder Olam. Yeah. Because Seder is like the Passover Seder. Right? Well, no, it's fine. The if Passover the, if the Seder. Readers, I'm sitting back. Right. Chilling. Passover Seder. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if the I'm uh, on this. if the listeners want to look it up, it's spelled S E D E R, and then capital O L A M Seder Olam. The original preface added that Josephus wrote that Jasher is a very reliable history book. See Appendix C for full details. And that's the um, Appendix C would refer to the book that uh, was published by um, Ken Johnson. It says, by this book, we, underst- we are to understand certain records kept in some safe on purpose, given account of what happened among the Hebrews from year to year and call Jasher or or the upright on account for the fidelity of the annuals. That was written by Josephus. Mm-hmm. So again, and the story was that when one of the, the Roman generals had made it to the, um, in Jerusalem during the siege, they made it to the, um, to the library. And he was the one that kept, Took some of the books. Josephus was not Josephus. It was, re- it was recorded that one of the Roman generals had taken some of the stuff and carried it off mm. before the 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 temple was burned down. Okay, because the library was inside the temple, mm-hmm. and some of those books, some of the books that he found that were, I don't know if it was just a lucky guess that he grabbed, or he may have knew the book, but he just grabbed a bunch and took them mm. and kept a bunch of them and and held on to them. Wow. So any book that was, <laughs> uh, I would assume that like anything in the temple, it was massive, and there was a lot of stuff there, mm-hmm. a lot of books. So he might, it sounds like he might have known yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, and they were probably scrolls of some sort. So those would have not been easy to well, transport. Not, you can't just pop those in a backpack and most like, go yeah, through yeah, running. That's true. You got to like yeah. carry, because they wrote on these big rolled out scrolls. Because when Papyrus. Well, you're right. In the they Chosen. probably wouldn't have been books, In right? the Chosen, yes. he rolls the scroll out because right. that's what they read. That's how they described. As I say a book, it wouldn't be a press book like we read today. Right. Because right. you're right, we didn't we, have printing presses. We didn't. Mm-hmm. And everything was written by hand. Scri- I say we. I'm not that old. The, they. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> the scribes would have been the ones to rewrite everything. So another question was, well, why isn't the book of Jasher in the Bible? And the answer is, I can't personally define why. I wasn't one of the, the people that debated it. But his answer by Ken Johnson said, the book of Jasher was never considered to be inspired of God. It is simply an accurate history book, even though it's recommended reading by Scripture, we must never think it equals scripture. Now, as far as e- equality, that that and uh, his words there that may be his self inflict or his self. Um, what's the word I'm thinking? That's what he thinks. Yeah, it shouldn't be counted. I'm not self imposing. Yes, I wouldn't say that that it meets scripture because we should be all focused on on God's word 
in itself mm-hmm. because there's as um, an answer that David Curtis gave you about certain things that there's enough in the Bible to answer the questions mm-hmm. that we have. But Jasher just gives us so much more color and so much more pictures and mm-hmm. so much more information. Yeah, like a great way of saying that is, you know, Paul said that the, the name of the magicians that went against Moses was Janus and Jambres. And nowhere does it say it in Genesis, but because Paul uttered it, the names are there. Yes. So even though that he's quoting from Jasher, that's really not what's important. What's important are the names of the two that were going after Moses. Right. Yeah, exactly. So when you get it to the Bible, it, it, we have to think about why was it canon? Why do we think this way? I think that uh, it's a story a redemption story. It's a God's story with Israel and the way that God managed it. It's not necessarily about just all of the history of this nation. It's about how God dealt with them in this specific way for redemption. The only the only thing that, as far as I understand, if I, and if I'm wrong on this, help me, that, that the Tanakh, the original Tanakh, or the five books, are the only books never debated as Scripture. That's Torah. Or the Torah. Yeah, that's the T-A of the Tanakh. Yeah, the Torah, they, they are not debated. Ever. But Ever. all the rest of the books were debated about whether or not to be in canon. That's right. To be a part yeah, of Yeah, the it. Torah or the Pentateuch were non-debatable. Which— They were included immediate. Which I'm curious, it was mentioned earlier about First Timothy, about— Timothy's words about the the scripture being breathed by God was his reference to which was it the Torah that he was referring to because mm-hmm. the New Testament wasn't written then right and none of the the technically the Bible wasn't compiled then right so in scripture as we know it was not scripture as Paul knows it yes Paul's scripture was the Tanakh yes our scripture is the Tanakh plus the New Testament. That's how it works. So out. should we should the the Timothy's word carry the same weight of the Bible as or he was, was he re- just talking about the Torah? The Torah, right? Which seems to be, I mean, let's just be real. I mean, the Torah is the most important book to the Jew. I mean, the, the those five books are. So I don't know. That would be speculative on my part, but I mean, I don't know. Good question though. Gotcha. So who is Jasher? Well, the word Jasher is not a is not a proper name. And and I'm even pronouncing it wrong because I'm saying J. Right. But the Hebrew word meaning upright, many through the centuries have referred to this book as the book of the upright. And another question would be, what is the history behind the book? According to uh, rabbinic legend, the book of Jasher and several other ancient non-biblical Hebrew texts were brought from Jerusalem to Spain after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and this is where I was referring to earlier. One of the officers of Titus, Siderus by name, was a believer in God of the Hebrews. He made sure several sacred texts made it out of Jerusalem and into Span- into the Spanish city of Sevilla for safekeeping. The Sephardic. Sephardic. Rabbinate. Oh, man. Those are some the words. The Sephardic Rabbinate. <laughs> Kept the, the text safe, and in the year A.D. 1613, the first official print Hebrew copy of the book of Jasher was published in Venice, Italy. The first translation from the Hebrew version of Jasher into English was completed in A.D. 1840. Wow, so two years after our English Bible was printed, this book, Jasher, was printed um, in in Hebrew. Yeah, in Hebrew and published in Venice, Italy. Wow. That's wild. It's, yeah, very crazy. Mm-hmm. But it, and, and you know, I guess. By the way, the Spanish city of Sevilla is on my list. Sevilla. I want to go so bad. Is that? It's the Barber of Seville. That's ah, where, it, that's where ah, that comes from. Nice. Yeah. Really? How do you say that in Spanish, the Barber of Seville? <sighs> I have to think about <laughs> it. El Cato of Sevilla. Because <laughs> actually, the. Well, you actually believe, do it backwards. Yeah. I believe. Sevilla the Cutter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe it's something De Sevilla, but I believe it was an Italian opera mm. set yeah, in I, Spain. I'm I'm pretty sure you're right about that. Not that I know Jack about. I want to say it's Puccini, right. maybe, yeah. but it's and it's you know they went and made not not they made a bunch of movies about that particular one, but Sevilla is just supposed to be so rich in history. It was one of the only cities that the Moors did not trample through. They treated it 
kindly for the Moors. <laughs> they they would know, they would go in and burn complete cities down and towns down and all that rich history of, of the Spaniards were lost. But um, yeah, not uh, Sevilla is on my bucket list in case anybody wants to buy me tickets. <laughs> my name is Sp- I'm just kidding. Yeah, if we could only. I would love to go away. Oh, we probably couldn't imagine the. <gasps> Can we take of, the stripper I bus? Love Spain. The stripper oh my bus. god, the stripper bus. <laughs> Can we get it across <laughs> the ocean? We, we might have to give a quick, a quick encapsulation of the stripper bus before <laughs> we leave that just out there. Yeah. So I um. Yeah, That'll yeah, be yeah, put that looking, at the end. I've been looking for a tour bus for the boroughs so that we can start traveling the country because, like, Nancy Fouster wants to come to Texas and Tim Martin wants to come up to Montana and we have other opportunities in. Um, Long Island and Rochester. And Long Island. Long, Long Island. The Long Island. And um, so I've been looking for a tour bus, and I came across one that was very affordable. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I looked inside, and there were these poles and these like mirrors and a disco ball. And I was like, what is this? Oh, it's a stripper bus. But it was cheap. I'll just have to, if you guys just don't mind, just hanging on the poles as you drive. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like hanging on the, yeah, on the, the subway. subway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being in the subway. And if yeah. you happen to spin around when Rick takes a cor- corner too fast, there you go. <laughs> and by Rick, you mean Rick Carter, because I will not be driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, my recommendation for the name was uh, the Rahab Tour Line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. Sorry, so we'll circle back here to the yeah, anyway. as we sidetrack. I said, has the text, here's another question. It says, has the text been corrupted over the centuries? The answer listed by Ken is that the ancient scrolls of this book were in poor condition when the book was printed in Hebrew in 1613. The text is not inspired by God and was simply an extremely accurate history book, highly recommended by Scripture itself. The text does show signs of some corruption. There are obvious scribal errors and more than likely embellishments added to the original text. Now, of course, this is some of his words from Mr. Ken Johnson. We must remember this scroll may be over 3,500 years old, and as we said earlier, everything was copied repeatedly. Right. Examples of the Book of Jasher of people leaping on walls, breaking rocks, shrieking so loud as causing damage, etc. Maybe ancient Hebrew idioms, here's that word again, mm-hmm long forgotten or simply embellished to the real text. The interesting part is some of those idioms, because we were never there, we don't know if they're true or not. Here's some great examples of an idiom causing confusion. Jasher mentions lion-faced men doing battle. Some people have scoffed at the text, thinking that Jasher is telling us that there are men whose faces really look like cats' faces. The Hebrew idiom, lion-faced, means the same thing in English, an English idiom, lion-hearted. Someone who is lion-faced or lion-hearted is fearless in battle. Huh. That's that's interesting. I'm I'm related to him. And as it— In real life. And unbeknownst to me, except through Mr. Johnson's um, question and answers here, I didn't realize that the book was connected to Mormonism, to the Mormons. I didn't either. I had no idea. He said, what about ja- what it- about Jasher's connection to Mormonism? It is true that the Mormon publishing house, J.H. Perry and Company, first published the 1840 English tradition of Jasher in 1870 or 1887. This 1840 version is the same version that modern authors use. The Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons have, in the past, used extra-biblical text to try to show a kind of open-mindedness. If they show you a real historical account, then you might be more susceptible to their false histories like the Book of Mormon. Mormonism, sorry, has long been fascinated with the Book of Jasher, but is not officially recommended because some portions of Jasher contradict Mormon teaching. In a connection to the Hebrew calendar, The Christian calendar dates from the birth of Christ. If the calendar has not been corrupted, the year A.D. 2008 would mean that Jesus was born 2,008 years ago. The Hebrew calendar dates from the creation of the world. The Christian year of A.D. 2008 corresponds to the year 5,768 a.m. On the Jewish calendar, the the abbreviation of a.m. stands for Anno... Monday. Monday. 
which means the year of the world, just as AD stands for Ando Domini. Ando Domini. Or Domini, Domini yeah. which means the year of our Lord. So if the Jewish calendar has not been corrupted, then the spring of AD 2008 was 5,768 years after creation. Most fundamentalist Christians believe the Jewish calendar is off by at least 168 years. This, however, is outside the scope of this work. All the dates in the book of Jasher date from creation to the Jewish people entering into the promised land. It only covers the first 2,516 years of human history. For your ease, Mr. Ken, have um, he paced everything out on the AM date as he was breaking out. And the chapter's most notable events are given in Appendix A in, that, in the book that he published. An 1840 version of Jasher officially had several prefaces attached at the front in order to clean up this book. I have moved these to the back of the book, and I just added all of that. Yeah, so that's so coming from the back. Yeah, so that what is the name of that book again? Which one? This one? The yeah, the Ken Johnson book. The book, ancient book of Jasher. Oh, okay. So this is his. Yeah, let me see this. I got a copy for the listeners. I've got a copy of the one that I I purchased from Amazon. Okay, yeah. And I need to get a link and then put it in, you know, in our little paragraph whenever you click on our pod, podcast so that you, if you guys want to pick up a copy. Well, I if think you, they actually have it on the Play Store, don't they? Well, if you if you Google or, uh, the Book of Jasher, mm-hmm. it'll take you to a free website mm-hmm. where it has it basically by chapter. And this version um, that I have is an exact copy of that. Hmm. I mean, now you can get this one that adds some other context to it because you've added... Like um, in the back, he has some year dates, some added uh, appendixes with questions, and there's some contra. I, we could have gone. We could go over possible couple contradictions that he shows mm-hmm. that differ between the Book of Genesis and the Book of Jasher, and some explanations that, of what what the differences would be that hmm. Jash that Jasher mentions that the Bible doesn't. Yeah. So whenever you so as we. Um, get into this study of Abraham, you're going to pull from both Genesis and Jasher and just well, kind of give like a... We could go through, but I have um, have started to segment it, how, what part of the Genesis is written, and then where do we find it in Jasher. Hmm, okay. And then you, once we read what's available to, to Genesis, we can show what's in Jasher, and we can show what how much more. Because again, where, where Abraham starts off, he just gets called out of... Um, he gets called out, but there's Jasher leads into his where he was I was born, his father, his family, and some uh, events that happen in his early history that have a major playing into what who he became. I can't remember if it's a conversation that you and I had or if it's something that I read whenever you mentioned the book of Jasher, but if I'm am I wrong? I think Stephen, before he stoned to death. He actually, when he goes through his, you know, sermon to the Sanhedrin right before they stone him to death, he quotes a lot of things that he's saying actually come from the book of Jasher, not from anywhere in the Bible. I think that's true. Ooh. I think it is. Now you're going to make me go read Stephen's speech. Yeah. From what I understand, he says a few things that where you're like, well, where did he get that from? I, I didn't see that in Genesis. Or I didn't see that in Exodus, but it shows up in the book of Jasher. So it's almost like he knew that. And when he was quoting, he, you know, he pulls from that history. Pretty interesting stuff. That's a cool introduction, man. So how do y'all feel about, um, I mean, I, one of the questions I had is how do you feel about apocryphal books or discussing them or bringing them up? I think they're, you know, like I said before, I think they're great for study. I mean, Especially if you're reading it from, if you want to put yourself in the time of the reader, then if you have other documents from the same time frame, time frame that they are quoting, then you at least are going to read the letter similar to the way that they were reading it without, you know, we don't, ha- guys, we miss so much because we don't have that culture. We just don't know. Yeah, you'll never have the full context, but you could have bits of it. Yeah, and so the apocrypha or the pseudepigrapher can give you a, the better bits, like as far as like, oh, so he must have been thinking of this because he obviously read it. He's quoting from it. 
you know, so it's kind of cool. So I think it's useful for study as far as like solo scripture. I, again, you know, I, I'm settled on that in my own heart. I'm good with it. Like they, the church decided that this was the canon and I'm going to continue to study. Um, and when I read the canon, I can definitely feel these distinct differences from these other books that I read. I never, I, I don't know if it's because I read these so much that everything else seems foreign to me, but you know, I'm settled on it, so I'm not too concerned about it, but I don't see any issue with reading, you know, extra biblical works, especially from the time, just to get an idea. You know, if you want to know <laughs> the effect of Greek culture on Palestine, what better than to study the Greek culture, you know, in the time in the time frame I mean, from which it's coming from. I mean, we've talked about the, the works of Josephus, like, repeatedly. Yeah. I mean, it's not canon, but we feel it's something that you should read. Well, I mean, it's the only— hist- you know, truly in-depth historical account of the Jews from Second Temple up until Josephus died. I mean, the Antiquities of the Jews and the War of the Jews, I mean, it's, those things, it's a huge volume, and it's tiny, tiny, tiny little volume. That dude wrote a lot, and, the, and I don't know how he did it. I mean, I by hand, this dude wrote all this stuff. It's incredible. And it's, and it's expensive. That's yeah. the thought I've been having all this talk about writing and copying. Books were wildly expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's written in like Elizabethan English, Elizabethan. What is or like our King James version? Uh, oh yeah, how work. we how we translated it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a tough read. <laughs> Imagine the guy, like, at least for the, me, the people anyway. that you know translate. They got to be a special sort of human man to sit there and just pour through, especially Josephus. When you see how much is in that. To sit there and translate that must have been a The task. Romans got their money's worth out of that guy. They sure did. <laughs> they did. They what do you sure think, Sarita? What do you think about these types of things? I'm, I'm, I can, I'm not speaking for you, but I know from my background, I, like all this stuff, I, I had no idea. No clue. I've never heard of this particular book. Now, the Book of Enoch I had heard of. I don't know that I know, other than you people, anybody's read it. Oh, so it's you people now. <laughs> you, I you, thought I was you people. <laughs> now I feel now I feel like uh, You're a part I, of you I, people. Lost sta- I lost status. Uh, I was you people. Sorry. You hotties. Oh, very uh, nice. Um, I mean, I'm interested in reading it. It's not going— the the my caution is I never want to get to a point where I'm reading those things more than I'm reading what I consider to be canonical scripture, um, Genesis through Revelation. No matter how we interpret it, no matter who put it together, I believe the Lord is powerful enough if He can create something out of the dirt that looks like me, <laughs> yeah. then He can certainly put together some words on a paper and create a book that we can read so that we can be closer to Him, so that we can know more about Him. But if this adds, it's like color commentary in a ball game. Do guys really need to know if they're listening on the radio what color the uniforms are? No, but it gives you an interesting thought. Oh, they're wearing their all whites today, or or they're wearing a new uniform, and it's a throwback. The the color commentary, uh, that's kind of what I think think of. We have the base, which is the game, and and I'm saying this because my daughter has been playing softball today, so I've been kind of looking between both worlds right now. But Having the color commentary, I, yes, I can see that somebody struck out, but how? Or I can see somebody. So having the commentary to add richness and fullness to it is great. Um, you know, I, I just never want to get to a spot where it's all that I'm studying and I'm I'm getting away from being in God's Word. Because I, str- I, struggle, <laughs> I struggle enough just to read God's Word every day, and I don't always do so. So— you know, and I have a God who's very forgiving for that. But um, if he's my friend, he calls me a friend, we should want to spend time with our friends. And so I'm excited to see what's in the book. I looked at the table of contents and I, I saw the word Italy in there. That's bizarre. I didn't even think Genesis would have the word anything. It's like page 133, it says something about somebody does something to Italy or whatever. I was like, Weird. Didn't know Italy was a thing. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. You know, um, you know how sometimes I don't know if you do this in your biblical studies or not, but do you ever reference like a commentary? Sometimes, yes. And you know that 
you know, and we or I'll go know. to my Spanish Bible where I can the word means something. Yeah, different. Yeah, because it's Cause more the rich. Ink, yeah, it, the fullness of the. Uh, yeah, even that's translated, you know, from Greek to to Spanish, from right. Latin or or Latin probably, but I, yeah. So well, yeah, I do use I, commentary, or I'll go Google. I don't understand what this means. What does that mean? He, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't want to do what I do do. I need to do. I need to do. I need to do. I need to do. <laughs> the do do. You know, verse. Paul trips over himself with words. Like he uses the same word eighteen times in a one sentence, and I'm like, okay, I've got to go figure out what this means. Yeah. Somebody, and I need some help. And you can you Google it, or you know, and twenty five different opinions on. I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I should do, and I do do what I don't want to do do that I do that I did. Um, you know, all of that. So some things that I don't understand, I'll go and find a commentary. And I know y'all don't particularly care for him, but I have a MacArthur Study Bible, and I really appreciate some of the commentary that is very rich. He's done a lot more studying of Scripture than I will ever probably get to my whole life. Have we, have we ever said we don't care for John MacArthur? I'm sorry. I may have. Place that on you. Are you I know projecting some, it on you people again? I know. I know. Preterists don't typically aren't fond of John MacArthur. I have just read some. Yeah. Things. Well, I mean, there's. Some, I would. I mean, there's some natural pastors I still listen to. That you know, I'm. I'm. I mean, I'm not available to be at their church, but I didn't stop listening to them because I became a quote unquote pat right, uh, preterist right. because they. I they, think John MacArthur is brilliant, man. Yes. So anyway, but, but yes, yeah, I do. I go to commentary, right, and though. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like this is sort of a, a historical commentary from maybe a contemporary of whoever whomever wrote, or at least the one thing about the Bible is the source material. You know how close to the actual event were some of these things. Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand that nobody lived during Job's time. I mean, he was. You know that that was written way post him. Yeah, but the oral traditions got written down at some point. And so some of those scrolls, man, what did we lose oh, in man. the destruction of both destruction? You know the just the, 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 the battle. Second? Yeah, the battle oh, yeah. and the second one. Yeah, what did we lose? Oh, those God. expensive books. What knowledge could we have? Oh, man. And then you lost the Jews. Oh, yeah. You lost probably most of the scribes and the scholars because they were defending the temple. So we lost the knowledge. And then we had to go back to oral tradition. And then somebody else had to say, well, okay, I guess I'll be a scribe because they're all dead laying in the temple. So let me start writing down stuff. And that that sort of kind of... What what richness? I mean, as rich as what we have oh, is, yeah, what did so we much. lose? So much. What did the world lose? That were there other? What was uh, in the first destruction? How, what did we lose? What books did we lose? What commentaries from rabbis who maybe knew Moses? Yeah. You know, because they lived a long time. So oh, maybe yeah. what right. did we lose? What well, did we lose? That, and what what even before that? What did, what did we lose because there was an oral tradition of a story that just petered out? Yeah. yeah. It just petered out, just like it ran through the hands of a couple people that weren't very engaging storytellers, and then that story died. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Well, we we not, within a couple hundred years, we went through, quote-unquote, book-burning sessions because, you know, we thought that, you know, certain books were sin. And I mean, I don't know what books, books. Yes, I don't know what books got burned, but they burned a lot of stuff. Yeah, just whatever somebody doesn't like at that hour. Lady Chatterley's lover. So the only reason I was bringing that up is because I had an interesting thought in regard to like the Book of Enoch and the Book of Jasher. If we have friends and we're all talking about we're studying the Bible, and they say, "Hey, man, you should try." John MacArthur's study Bible, because it's really informative. It's got a lot of cool details about history and things like that. It'll give you a, you know, a good idea of like when the book was written and who wrote it and when it was canonized or whatever. Like it's cool to learn, right? But what if inside the actual word of God they cite a reference of another book? Isn't that better than a friend saying, check out John MacArthur? It's like God saying, Hey, yeah, I didn't put this in the canon, but go read it. Because this book 
is where you're going to get the information. Like I said, until I got the email, yeah. I didn't even know this book existed. Uh, well, that's what I'm I've saying. I've never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm granted, most pastors, Rick is tearing things Sorry. up. Most went, pastors went aren't going to preach from no. the book of Jasher. No, they're not. From the pulpit. Right. Because it's not. It's not canon. It's not canon. It's not biblical. Unless you're David Curtis. Yeah. David well, Curtis will reference those he books does sometimes. Things. He does, a, he does his own thing. He's a wild west. You go, David. You go, <laughs> David Curtis. We'll be seeing them next week. Yes. Well, I mean, most pastors don't even weeks, hit yeah. most of the Bible given a 10-year period. You know You're what right. I mean? You're right. So. No, my last pastor, when we were here in Hendersonville, he literally would start a book, and we would go word by word by word by yeah, word. Yeah, true. And I word. love it. Yeah, me too. I do not like topical preaching. I'm not a topical preaching. I mean, it's nice to listen to maybe a podcast or something that's topical. I eat a booger jasher. Um, Did you say the booger jasher? The book of Jasper. Just booger. Jasher. Um, booger. Mm-hmm. You said booger. Booger McFarlane. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that. Um, but all that to say is, yeah, I do like it. That's cool, man. It's going to be neat. And so, maybe we should do the Book of Enoch. Wasn't Ralph going to do something like that? Uh, Ralph was going to do some work on pseudepigraphal writings. You know, I, I would, I guess, and, and before we, we're going to tie this up, I would say the high recommendation, at least from me, the reckoning would be at least have a good stable base in Scripture alone, the Bible itself, mm-hmm. before you caveat yourself out to read apocryphal books. Yeah, I mean, we will be. We talk about them a bunch. We we at least the ones that read them are supportive of them based on what we've read. But at least have a good foundation in the Bible. Yeah, don't start up with apocryphals and then come to the Bible. Yeah, start there and then. Color it else in with other stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand when we say names about other books that there may be some apprehension. But again, if you've got your your grounding solid in the Bible, no matter what you read, if it's not right, it will talk to you and tell you. The Lord will tell you it's not right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good advice for the so believer. Was today what we did? Was it the actual introduction from the book? Was that the man who yes. wrote? The man who put this together is it's the, yes, it's the introduction. It's his introduction. It, yeah. That's very good. I like those questions. Those are yeah. It was it was so well put together. I, I really didn't have to FAQs. Yes. How many websites have FAQs? I know. I Did really, you know in the Book of Jasher that it states that Noah, whenever he was getting um, all of the animals, you mean to tell me you read it? Yeah. So when he says he's going to get all the animals, that there were two specific animals. A male and female. Yes. That he did not want to put on the ark. Cockroaches. The cheetahs. Because they uh, cheated. Oh. There was my joke. Bam. There we go. <laughs> he said there are a bunch of cheetahs. <laughs> the tire just went out. <laughs> they just went out of the tire. Anyway. So much for the bus. Good stuff, man. No, I'm excited as we get into this. Yep. Very cool. To talk about it. All right. Well, I appreciate everybody. Thank you. Andy, Sarita, Rick. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. And for the next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. Later. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. I yeah. smoked mm. until I, my, my wedding day. I tried I it when I was quit eight. on my wedding day wow. for my husband. I quit. He hated the smell. Um, I do too. I, I don't know why for I tried. Years, it. and I missed it every day. Thankfully, I couldn't figure out how to inhale it. No, I'm gonna tell you what. I could pick up a pack of Marlboro Lights and start right back up. Yeah. I could. I can feel it in my lungs. I can smell it. But I quit for my husband because he hated start the smell. Again. You get them Marlboro Miles, man. You get them free hats and free jackets. <laughs> Listen, That's we why I do we want to because it's a tobacco, uh, but it's like I don't know. It's it's a ho- it's a hookah. So it's like just wildly inconvenient. So it's the only tobacco I allow myself. It's less tobacco than is in a cigarette too, actually, a bit mm-hmm. less. But, you know, so, but it's, yeah, it's wildly inconvenient. Gotta yeah. go get my hookah. Yeah, you gotta light coals and the tobacco is like treated with molasses. So it's sticky and it's massive. You know what I mean? It's just Eesh. like, yeah. So that's my, 
my concession. I do keep cartons of cigarettes, so if the world goes to pot, you, yeah. I got a bartering tool. I hope they're in the freezer. God, Lord, how old are they? Vacuum wow. seal. Here you go. That'll do. <laughs> I'm a prepper. I'll trade them for bullets. <laughs> And people wow. will give you bullets for them at some point. I know point, they I will. Yeah. Somebody told me if you're going to do survival prep, that you whatever they will trade for in prison. Yeah, that's what will. That's what people will need. <laughs> so, did you know that people like drugs? Because I'll tell you what, what? they do. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they don't adopt the way they transport stuff through prison. Depends on the value. Well, that's coming over the border. Uh-huh. Wow. That kind of stuff is coming over the border. Yeah, it's hard I'm, to transport meaningful amounts in body, though. The that's real true. stuff that comes over the border comes in planes and trucks. Yeah. No, though. Did you see the guy? Oh, did you? Um, we'll talk about that. Well, you know, they got those uh, that coffee beans that come from the cat. That what? The the coffee beans that they get from the cat. The cat who? Oh. oh no! That I'm, real high end coffee. I know about the the goat one. They what have the now? goats that climb no. up in the yeah. Well, there's trees a and, there's a high end. I've heard of goat yoga. Um, but a uh, bucket Go-Gurt. list with um, Morgan Freeman and um, Jack Nichols. Jack Nicholas, um, the whole thing. Jack Nicholas. You mean is Nicholson? Dr- Nicholas is the golfer, right? Yeah, Nicholas. I always is the get golfer. those. Yeah, Nicholson. Here's and Johnny. he's drinking coffee, and he has this specific coffee that he likes to drink. And at the very end, how they harvest that type of bean is that these cats in in South Africa they they eat the plant and they digest the beans and as they after mm-hmm. they process it they harvest the beans from the cat poo. There's another one that I've known about. Is this was I think been around forever with goats. There's a certain like small goats that get up in these coffee trees actually eat the beans out of the trees, and when uh, they poop the the beans out, they uh, they wash them and roast them and it's like that is an extravagantly expensive coffee as well i haven't heard about the cat one but well <laughs> i want to be the guy that follows the goat around the woods right like, <laughs> behind him like picking them up you'd have to they'd have to be expensive because you'd have to pay me a lot a lot well i did that. grow up on a farm and you know having to deal with That's poo why they is have not slave fun. labor <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah are we rolling yes sir all right